Bet365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sports. The app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and the Athletics Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent, Tim Spears. Hello, Tim. Hello. What a job you have, by the way. Well, not uh, only right. do you get, to, not only do you get to see your favourite football team win four 0 in Europe, three 0 in Norwich, then you get to spend your Sunday stroke Monday writing about how good they are, and then coming and chatting about it on a pod. It's not a bad life, is it? Yeah, I have to go to Barcelona Carnival this week as well, which is going to be going to be a real pain. Um, I can't believe I didn't mention that bit. You went to Barcelona to watch your boyhood team, who admittedly didn't used to play teams in Barcelona when you first started going, did they? Oh, we played them in a friendly once. Do you remember when Figo came to Montenegro? Oh, it's like the late 90s when we had that really baggy kit, baggy shirt of Figo and maybe Rivaldo. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's a bit different now. Yeah, it happened to be Barcelona Carnival this week, so I think the Wolves are going to have quite a good time. They are. We'll come on to that. This time last week, we were reminiscing about a couple of glorious goalless draws. What a difference a week makes. Mm. We were talking then about how Wolves could barely score. It was one win in nine, five goals in nine, plus a penalty. And since then, seven goals later, the picture's looking rather different. Well, well... They have been fortunate in the level of opposition, I will say. I mean, Espanyol reserves and a really poor Norwich team have just come at the perfect time and um, Wolves have taken full advantage. They've become clinical, they've changed formation, they've changed players and everything's worked brilliantly. So it's it's a perfect time to do it. We know they're capable of going on a run and hopefully this is the start of it because you know they're so well placed in both competitions now. And they've got three months, and who knows where we're going to be in three months' time. But um, but he's very exciting. Yeah, some key players in form. Diogo Jota primarily. What a week he's had. And so I noticed he was asked on Match the Day last night, "Have you ever had a week like this, scoring five goals in two games?" And um, it happened in December. So like, so he's he's not adverse to going on these little like streaky runs. So um, yeah, great couple of weeks, both at home, and now two. Massive away games in Barcelona and London over the next few days. Can't wait. So how much of this positive week that Wolves have had has been down to the generous nature of the opposition, particularly Emi Buendia staying on the bench for Norwich, which their fans weren't very happy about? And how much of it is down to the fact that Wolves actually scored first in a couple of games? Yeah, it took me a while to work this out a few weeks ago that uh, went through every league game that Wolves have played under Nuno. Looked at the results when they score first and when they concede first. and Because we, we know it's a simple thing to say, but any team likes being in front, right? And I think Wolves benefit more than most from being in front due to the way that they play in terms of control, tempo, possession and shape, first and foremost, because they love this normally. 3-4-3 three, three shape, occasionally 3-5-2. And when you're chasing a game, I think... 
I think they tend to lose that shape a little bit and become a bit more ragged and that's not what Nuno likes. He's obsessed with control with and without the ball. So they're a much better team when they're in front and when they do score the first goal, they win 86% of their league games under Nuno. That goes back to 2017. And when they concede first, they only win 15% of their games. Now, they've done very well at coming from behind this season. I think they've got 18 points from a losing position. That's five more than any other team. So they've coped well. Uh, they've done things a bit differently this year. But scoring first, which they hadn't done since mid-December, a run of two and a half months without scoring first, 12 games. They've ended that in emphatic style in the last few days. And lo and behold, big wins, 4-0, 3-0. So... Yeah, we need more of that in the in, in the coming weeks, definitely. And in terms of the Espanol game, they are bottom of the table in Spain. And I think their coach, well, Nuno said in his press conference, we were there on Thursday, said, oh, I think really that they've really got one eye on the league table. Um, something that their coach honourably said, no, 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 we came here, we really, really, really wanted to win this game. But you're suggesting that with the nine changes, he really, really was thinking about the league table. Oh, definitely. I mean, a couple of a couple of enforced changes, but yeah, he made nine. I felt sorry for the twelve hundred who travelled over from Barcelona for their night out, big night out in Wolverhampton, uh, and watched a miserable four 0 defeat for their team. Yeah, I mean, he rested all those players. It didn't work for them because they lost um, a really big game against Valladolid two one uh, yesterday, big six pointer. So I think it's pretty clear where their priorities lie, and that definitely helped. Although you've got to say. Um, Espanyol were close to scoring on a few occasions, especially when Rui Patricio did his um, Benny Hill act. And <laughs> oh my goodness, what was that all about? <laughs> it would have worked great to music in fairness, wouldn't it? I mean, it wasn't helped <laughs> by that sort of strange miscued ball by Raul Jimenez out on the right wing. Yeah, definitely. You left. could just see like the panic in, in Patricio's eyes. Like, of course you can catch that, Rui. Like, it's not a back pass, okay? Um, <laughs> And yeah, he missed it not once but twice. I mean, he's pulled off a blinding save to to rectify the the alarm in danger. But if that had gone in, that'd be replayed for years. That'd have gone viral. Everyone in the world would have seen that if he tapped that in. Um, but fortunately, Wolves got away with it. And yeah, a, a pretty a pretty weak Espanol first team, um, let alone reserve team. Wolves are grateful that Raúl de Tomás was out injured, as we discussed last week. So I see. Thursday's game being a formality to, to be honest I think obviously comebacks of that nature have happened in Europe you've only got to go back to the end of last season with Barcelona Liverpool etc or Barcelona PSG that miraculous game mm. a couple of years ago that I, that's not going to be the case this week because Espanyol won't be playing their first team and they won't be putting their bodies or their lives on the line to win this match because I think they've accepted that they're out of it. I don't think that's a big problem for them. Um, so they'll make changes, as I'm sure Wolves will. So it'll either be a real non-event or it'll be a very relaxed game uh, with quite a few goals, hopefully hopefully for Wolves. But either way, um, I don't see there being any issues at all on Thursday. And then we, we look ahead to the draw, which comes very soon after on, on Friday midday. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Espanyol at home to Atletico Madrid after Wolves just a few days later. So it doesn't get much easier for them, does it, in terms of where their headspace is, trying to pull away from, from the bottom there. But in terms of, let's focus on the Norwich game now, because really interesting team selection, wasn't it, with Adama Traore on the bench, who many people would have down as Wolves' best player. 
Um, but of course, that resulted in a change of formation. How much do you put the three in a win down to that change of formation? Mm, really interesting um, team selection from Nuno. And you mentioned Buendia earlier. Uh, we were at Carrow Road, weren't we, in, in December? I thought Traore was Wolves' best player that day. I think he, I think he produced fifteen dribbles that day. Traore mm. and Buendia produced this amazing stat with um, nine dribbles and nine chances created in the same game. That's only happened once before since records began um, about fifteen years ago in the Premier League. Eden Hazard mm. did it once, so it shows you the impact that those two players had at Carrow Road, and neither of them started on Sunday, which was very interesting. Um, Buendia's kind of end product, I think, has tailed off a bit. As for Traore, yeah, really interesting formation change. I thought Wolves looked a better team against Espanyol when they changed it to 3-5-2 with Dendonka coming on for Traore after the hour mark. And they exerted a bit more control, uh, had more possession of the ball. And I think the change was a little bit um, in terms of getting the best out of the likes of Jota and Doherty, but also he probably Nuno probably looked at that Carrow Road game and was alarmed at the amount of times that Norwich kind of prized Wolves apart. Um, Cantwell played very well that day. Pukki had a few chances and Norwich should have been three or four nil up at half-time at Carrow Road, which which is pretty rare for a Wolves game, to be honest. They never really get pulled apart like that. So I think Nuno um, wanted an extra man in midfield. That man was Dendonka. He ended up having a hand in all three goals um, on Sunday, which is very impressive. I thought he did well. Jota loves playing centrally. Um, that gets the best out of him. He said that himself before as well. So him and Jimenez, great partnership. Jota ends up scoring two, hits the post for the third, which Jimenez drops in. So I think, for me, they tend to switch formation and then run with that formation for a couple of months or longer. We've seen that under Nuno's, 3-4-3, 3 and then they'll start to become a bit predictable and they'll change it. I'd like to see more of a horses for courses approach, switching it up from one week to the next so teams don't know what's coming. I think they've become a little bit over-reliant on Triore, you've got to say. Um, tactics in the last few weeks when they've been struggling, it's just give the ball to Triore and, and he can produce some magic with it, which he invariably does. But it makes you a bit predictable and I don't think they're going to score a huge amount of goals from lofted Traore crosses after he beats his man. Um, that one against Liverpool was the perfect example of that working, but with only Jimenez, who's likely to win headers in the box, I'm not sure that giving the ball to Traore and asking to cross it is going to yield a huge amount of goals. So I'd like to see more variation in, in the way that they start. But it is interesting, Jackie, how kind of 3-4-3 three, three really gets the best out of Traore. It gets the best out of Neves as well. Whereas it, the players it doesn't get the best out of would be Jota, who prefers playing centrally. Doherty, who has very much been nullified in an attacking sense in this um, in this three four three, he's much better three five two as well. So, I'd like to see a bit of variation depending on on who the opposition are, kind of week to week. Nice headaches for Nuno to have, but they are mm. definitely headaches because we know what Triori can do. But do you think it affects the mindset of the other players when they have Triori starting because they're thinking, well, we'll win the ball, give it to Triori in a you know similar kind of fashion to how Southampton used to do when they had Matt Letizia. That was their actual tactic, whereas this wouldn't be their tactic, but it's more the the outcome, and uh, even if unintentional. Yeah, I guess I guess you know what's coming, but equally, Traore, as we've seen before, is is almost impossible to stop. And what I would say, looking ahead briefly to, to Spurs on Sunday, is that I'd like him to go back to 3-4-3 and Traore play. I mean, he, he ripped Spurs to shreds in December, 
three Spurs players were booked in 15 minutes for hacking down Traore in the second half. Ridiculous. So they, so they didn't know how to handle him. And Wolves have done very well away from home on the counter against Spurs last season at Wembley and against Arsenal on two occasions. That was that was a big turning point for him uh, last season. He, he played really well against Spurs. And we, we've seen it a, a few times away from home against the big six. He shines. And 3-4-3 tends to work better as well because they can hit teams on the break. Um, so I'd, I'd very much like to see them return to that on Sunday with, with Troy Rory back in the team. One of the players we have to pay tribute to, if you like, because of the impact since his return from injury, Willy Bolly, four clean sheets in a row. I mean, it is an extraordinary effect that, that he has had on that side. Do you think psychologically it's affected them as well as organisationally? Um, maybe, yeah. I thought they coped quite well without him initially, but you, you've only got to look at the clean sheet record with and without him, it's it's so stark that it's not a coincidence. Um, I think when he was out, it was eighteen or nineteen games that he that they were without him, and they got four clean sheets in that time. And he's come back into the team. They've played four games and they've got four clean sheets. You cannot argue with that math, Jackie. That is just ridiculous. So he's he's <laughs> definitely made um, he's definitely made an impact. I thought I thought Dendonka carried on manfully through the through the last few weeks, but it's back three looks great to me now. Saïs has really added consistency to his game. He's, he's cut out the he's cut out the stupid fouls and the the wayward passes, and has become a real model of consistency. And Bolly, uh, Bolly's just ridiculous. I mean, he looks like he's never been away. I mean, he, he looks a better player to me. Organisationally, I mean, that's primarily down to to Cody alongside him. But Bolly makes such an impact. He rarely makes mistakes. He's so dominant in both boxes, and vastly underrated by anyone outside the club certainly not inside but he's not a player you really hear talked about very often but but long way that continue I suppose I wonder if it's because he's just turned 29 so in terms of big money move to, to a top club maybe it's just because nationally and we will come on to the national view of Wolves shortly maybe it's because they look at highlights reels and they see Traore with his ridiculous number of dribbles and just wonderful football to watch and they don't really recognise the huge impact that Bolly has that's true, and also I don't think he he doesn't court any attention whatsoever. In fact, quite the opposite. He detests attention. I mean, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a running joke at the club, really, in terms of um, how many interviews he does. I mean, uh, does anyone know what he what he what he sounds like? Um, <laughs> he's a bit, do you know what? He's a bit, a bit of a Charlie. Char, he's a bit of a Charlie Chaplin figure, really. Everyone can see him, but they can't hear him. He might have a Geordie accent, for all we know. <laughs> Yeah, you might be right. I mean, yeah, I've I've covered Wolves um, ever since he's been at the club and I've interviewed him once and that was a very forced interview. He was literally <laughs> physically pushed toward, in my direction um, during a um, on-the-pitch after a pre-season game at Switzerland a couple of years ago. But that's the only time he spoke to the local press um, and maybe even the written press, I think, since he joined the club two and a half years ago. Players are contractually obliged to do three interviews a season, um, with and that's with rights holders, so like Sky Sports or your overseas rights holders, whoever. You've got to do three a season. I, I'm not sure Bolly did that last season. Um, he'll he will he's been known to run away before, um, <laughs> and just leave the training ground if he knows he's got an interview to do. Honestly, it's ridiculous. He is very quiet, very shy. He keeps himself to himself. He doesn't have a Twitter profile. He's not on Instagram. You don't see him in, in pictures that the players take. I mean, you know, the Portuguese guys are very, very prevalent on Instagram and we see them all meeting up and 
it was Patricio's birthday last week and they did a Peaky Blinders night. Um, <laughs> but, Bolly, but Bolly wasn't. Bolly certainly wasn't there. I think he mixes with the French speakers, gets somewhere with Saïs, but he's been described to me before as ultra laid back. And he does kind of come out of his shell a little, a little bit with team meals and when they're having drinks, etc. But generally, he keeps himself to himself. He's got his younger brother over here living with him. And he goes back to France a lot whenever he can in the international breaks. He'll go back to France. And uh, in fact, that's where he was when he was called up to the Ivory Coast squad a, a mm. few months ago before Christmas. And it was the first Wolves had heard about it when they saw it on probably on Sky Sports News or wherever. Um, so they phoned him up and said, are you in the Ivory Coast squad? He was like, no, I'm in France. Um, so he kind of knew anything about it. And I don't think he's got any intention of playing for them either. So he's a, he's a bit of a different character. I, I like the fact he doesn't court the attention. You know, you don't see him giving it the bigger either to, to fans at full time or whatever. Keeps himself to himself, gets on with his job and does it brilliantly. And that kind of reflects Wolves' recruitment as well. You know, there's a serious point here in that obviously everybody in football's got an ego, but um, Wolves do their very best to sign model professionals, is what I would say, um, with as little ego as possible. And, and Bolly would be a classic example of that. Um, and, and I know that there was great surprise, Jackie, when he was signed and he first started training some of the players were like, how the hell have, have Wolves managed to sign this guy? I mean, he's far too good for the championship and that's been proved. And with his age, um, as you say, um, he's, he's getting on a little bit now. So there's a chance that Wolves could keep him for a few years to come, I think. So hopefully that'll be the case because he's, um, he's a phenomenal defender with very few weaknesses, if any. So let's keep quiet about him and not talk to any of our colleagues in the national media. And if they ask, would you say he's been terrible? Don't do any articles on him, especially not how great he is. But we were talking about organisationally that defence. I mean, Connor Cody, we cannot overstate the importance of this man. And that's from a footballing point of view, an organisational point of view. But what about his character? And also from your point of view, the fact that he actually talks to the media. Fans might not be too bothered, but they'll have noticed, I'm sure, that very few Wolves players will speak to the press after a game. You know, some of them will do little bits of TV interviews. When it comes to the mix zone, which people may not may or may not have heard of, there's this area after a match called the mix zone where all the journalists stand and the players have to walk through this gauntlet, basically, of, of journalists, this this gaggle of journalists. Well, I don't know what, what name you, you use. Standing behind one of those um, tapes that keep you behind an airport barrier, you know, when you're queuing oh, for check-in. You're behind one of those, so. aren't you? <laughs> you can't just go and up it, to them and say, can I have an interview? And I must, I've spent hours, may, maybe days. Yeah, I'm going to say days. I've spent days of my life in these mix zones, Jackie, and often without success, um, especially with Wolves in the past couple of years, because um, a lot of them just won't speak. Matinho being one, Johnny being another, Patricio being another, Vinagra, Bolly, as we've said, um, Costa and Cav. I know they've moved on now. They just won't. They just won't. Won't speak. Um, do they acknowledge you? Do they say hi, sorry, uh, or do they literally well, just walk straight past and pretend they're on the phone? Stopped, I've stopped bothering with Bolly now. I mean, he used to shout him, and he just used to grin and walk off. Um, so you know that then they're just never ever going to stop now. Um, and it's funny. It's funny how some of them will take longer to come out than others. So Ryan Bennett would always be the first out of the dressing room always so often I would miss him because I'd still be upstairs in the press box writing up my match report so he'll be first out and Traore guaranteed every single week Adama Traore will be the last person out of the dressing room right I remember waiting at Arsenal away an hour and a half 
So that's longer than it was longer than the match, right? <laughs> waited for waited for Traore, and he came out and he and he had he had a suitcase um, in his hand, and I was like, oh god, he's got a suitcase because it was before the international break. I think he was going on holiday. I was like, it was just me left, and I was like, Adama, can I get a minute? He was like, oh, I've got to go. I was like, oh. please, just just give me fifty seconds, and he did. Bless him, he gave me fifty seconds. Um, not oh. the greatest interview I've ever conducted, but um, it was oh, worth no. it for a little line for the paper. Um, he's always out last. I don't know what he's doing in the dressing room. Presumably manicuring himself, doing his hair, putting his moisturising his biceps. That would probably take a long time. There's a lot of surface area to cover. There's a big circulation there to get around. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So the mix zone. Um, so some will stop if they're in a good mood. Jimenez, Jota, Neves, etc. Kind of depends on how many interviews they've done recently, whether they've played well. Some of them, hilariously, Jackie will. Um, I'm sure, pretend to be on their phones because they'll just walk out. Oh. They'll walk oh, through the mix zone with, the hand, with the hand planted to their ear. So they, so they, you're not going to try and interrupt them. Some of them would also go and grab their families to walk through because then that would just be rude to stop them if they're with their families, etc. And and some of them will just walk out of, of a secret exit to avoid going through the mix zone, which is quite naughty because they're supposed to. And you know what? I get it because after what you've just done, you played a football match used all that energy you just want to go you don't want to stop and speak to the press necessarily for five really? ten minutes really i think more it annoys me more so after a defeat because i think fans want to hear from you you don't want them to shy away but one man who who never ever fails to stop is, is kind of coded week after week in fact it's got to the point where you don't even have to ask him sometimes he'll walk over it just goes to show the kind of the character of the man because as captain, which he takes extremely seriously, that role, you know, he feels like he needs to speak, and he does, and it, yeah, just reflects the kind of man he is, really. I mean, you talk about model professionals, but I've not come across someone as professional as him before, and I think Wolves should be, Wolves fans should be extremely um, honoured that he's their, he's their captain. I think in years to come, he'll become a legend of this club, I really do, I think... You think of the great Wolves captains, you think of Billy Wright, you think of Mike Bailey, and I think if Wolves win a trophy, he'll he'll, he'll stand alongside them. I can't really offer him higher praise than that. He's um, He influences others massively, he's a huge influence, and on the pitch and off it. But on it, you've got to say, his organisational skills are, f- are phenomenal. You really hear it in pre-season games more than any. You can't really hear it at Molyneux. At pre-season, honestly, he's just he's the loudest guy in the stadium. And we've been in some far-flung places like Austria or Switzerland, you know, up there in the hills. And his voice must echo for miles, Jackie. I'm not being funny. Yeah, he's, he's an exceptional character and professional and player. You've got to say he's really, after a ropey start to the season, he's really added consistency to his game. And you can just see with the, with the celebrations for the goals how much it means to him. I mean, he's always the first... He's always the first there. You, you, I don't know if you've seen the replay of the Neves goal. He was the furthest player away from Neves when he hits that unbelievable volley. And yet he's the first one to congratulate him. He goes sprinting up the field. I, mean, I think half of, half of his running stats on the, on the things that they wear must come from his celebrations. So, um, it's like Rio Ferdinand at United. He always did that. He was always in the photos with celebrations doing the jump on the shoulders of the scorer. Yeah, he's, um, he's uh, like I said, he's a model professional and... Wolf should be very, very proud to have him. It's his 27th birthday tomorrow, which is Tuesday, which is today if you're listening to the day that the podcast comes out. So are you going to go down to Compton and hand him a cake and say thank you for answering all my questions? Otherwise, I'd have literally <laughs> no quotes from anybody at well, all, I've, ever. 
I don't know about cake though. He'd, he'd probably want a stick of celery more than, more than cake. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we've got to mention his his appearance record as well. I mean, um, he, yeah. he hit he hit a hundred league games in a row and played every minute of every league game for the last hundred um, on Sunday, which stretches back to October two thousand seventeen. He's missed two games in two years, which are both Carabao Cup games that he will have wanted to play in. So. Fitness record is unbelievable, and again, it's testament to, to how he looks away, how he looks after himself away from the field. Has he ever been injured for Wolves? I don't want to tempt fate here, but I can't remember him being injured. No, he's been. I don't think so. He's under Nuno. He's been suspended once, sent off at Sheffield United, which is mm. which is why that's the last time he missed to get a league game. But he played. He played a lot in those first couple of years. Yeah, extraordinary. And in time honoured fashion, he did actually come and talk to you after the Norwich game. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, we, we had a good chat. Obviously, hundred appearances and the need to score first as well, which is which I've done an article on today. And um, he started by talking about the formation change and how it was kind of necessary against Norwich after after what we saw last December. Yeah, and we know how tough it was going to be because it was hard when we went to their place. We, we know they like getting bodies in the middle of the pitch and, and moving it in short areas, tight areas. And they've got some really, really good footballers as well. So we spoke about it in the hotel before the game, about how important it was to, to try and put our way of playing onto the game. And I thought we'd done that. I thought we started off a little bit sloppy and they caught us by surprise a couple of times. But I thought once we got a foothold in the game, we, we were on top and we, we deserved the win in the end. It's a brilliant week. It's a brilliant week. It's something where we want to keep on improving. We say before every single game that we want to improve and we want to keep on getting better. And we've done that today. So we've got an interesting week, but a very exciting week for everybody. And it's something we're, we're really looking forward to with us. And even more so this week because it's something where we want to enjoy going to Barcelona, playing the Europa League. It's amazing. You don't you don't often get that. I don't think this well this club hasn't been there for a long, long time. So we're going to enjoy it. So this week more than ever, we're going to do that because it's something we want to go and impose our way of playing. Because listen, it's halfway in the tide. People might say different things about it, but it's halfway. We've done really well in the first leg. But this is another game now that we need to go and impose ourselves and, and play as well as we possibly can. And you hadn't scored first for a while before Thursday's game. And it seems to be um, a pattern that when you score first, you send to win, don't you? Um, has, that, has that been a big thing that Nuno's been impressing on you to, to get ahead in games? Yeah, no, I don't just think the manager. I think the players in general as well, making sure that we that, that we put ourselves in that position. It's important we put ourselves in that position. But we've got fantastic forward players. We have fantastic wing backs who find themselves in the box and can score goals and create. And so we always know that's going to come because we have full trust in everybody going forward. It's just up to us to help as much as possible. And, and like I said, keep improving. And if we can keep on doing that, it'll make. Better. Is that something that you've been talking about? Then, because I think it was it was three months without scoring first. You're kind of giving yourselves a little bit of a, yeah. uh, or giving the opposition a bit of a head start. I don't know. I don't know. It was three months. I'll be honest with you. It's quite long. Yeah, no, but it's not something we spoke about. We spoke mm. about getting better as a team, and if that means scoring first, that means scoring first, and it helps. It really, really does. But we have total trust in our front lads, and I don't know what the point is coming from behind. It's sort of mad, isn't it? So we've done it different ways this year, but we want to keep on improving it and better. And does it help you as a team in particular because of the way that you are with your shape? If you're if you're leading in the game, you, you're looking much much better team for it rather than chasing the game, right? Yeah, and I think it's the same for most teams, I've been being honest with you, they'd rather score first, it's something you'd rather do, you don't want to be conceding goals, and it's the same for most teams, but for us in general, we look at ourselves, and it's always nice if that can happen, and we can make it happen, and luckily the last couple of games we have, and it's been great. You've played every minute of the last 100 league games in a row now, um, how proud does that, does that make you? Yeah, I, I heard it before the game, it was... It's something that, it's amazing, it's something that, the pride that I have for leading this club and walking out for this football club every single game is immense, it really, really is. It's something that I live for, I love playing for this football club, so to do it a hundred, I'd say a hundred consecutive times, it's it's amazing and hopefully we can keep on going and keep on winning. I thought you were going to go finger and ruin the start as well. No, you're joking, <laughs> yeah, no, I ain't going up. Very refreshingly in his interview, hugely looking forward to Thursday and playing in Barcelona away to Espanyol. 
What do you think the team's going to be for that game? The Wolves team. We're not so interested in the Espanol team. No, we're not bothered about them. Um, <laughs> Giving players who are on the fringes a game to keep them happy, perhaps? I, I don't think Nuno would do that. I don't think he'd, I don't think he'd want to make a player happy by playing him. He's not that kind of manager. But John Ruddy? I, I'd, like, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see nine or ten changes, to be honest. I think the tie's done. I think that Espanol will field the reserve team, so Wolves don't need to go out there and win 4-0 and expend a load of energy. Because they've got a massive game on Sunday, so look, the fixture schedule is ridiculous this year. They're going to they're going to end up playing more games than pretty much anyone in the Premier League, except maybe Liverpool. So use the opportunity. You've got a, a effectively almost a dead rubber, right? We've got to say that you've got to be realistic. So I'd like to see wholesale changes with the big boys on the bench ready to come on. You know, I, I don't think he'll leave anyone at home at all. I think he'll take the full squad, but I'd rather see him on the on the bench and. I've penned a little team, Jackie, which I'm... I, I, oh, have you come delighted, on, <laughs> Delighted to read out to you. Um, yeah, I'd yes. love to see Ruddy in goal. Um, he hasn't played for a while. I would keep Dendonka in the back three. I'd go back to three, four, three. I'd have Dendonka, Kilman and Otisawi in the back three. Otisawi being in the middle. Wow. Young American lad who's done well and is sort of the backup to Cody at the moment. And then in midfield, I'd have Traore and Vinagra as your wing-backs. Gibbs White... And Jordao in the middle. And then up front, I'd have Pedence, Campana and Neto with, like I said, with the big boys on the bench. So Dendonka will be the one for me. He, he can play because I don't think he'll play on Sunday if they switch back to 3-4-3. Three, three. I think he'll be the one that would drop out for Traore. So. And Traore, you can give him an hour and get him play back into top, top form. He's dipped slightly in the last couple of weeks. So I'd like to see him get back into form. And he's played wing back a few times this year. So... So hopefully a few of these fringe players can play because Pedence Pedence didn't get on the pitch on Sunday, which was a bit of a surprise. And Wolves have spent a lot of money on him, so we want to see more from him. Campana, we haven't seen play for the first team or the under-23s yet. Very much been shrouded in mystery as to what he's he's up to. So, yeah, there's a few of these guys you'd like to see, definitely. In terms of Pedence, do you think he is going to become a key player for Wolves? Do you know how they view him in terms of his potential and, and what role he's likely to play going forward? Because he won't always want to be on the bench. No, definitely. I spent £17 million on him and he was their number one target in January and delighted to sign him and a couple of bright and breezy substitute appearances. Yeah, he, he needs to be starting and playing regularly and he was playing on the right for Olympiacos. So I see him as kind of backup for Traore, but... I mean, if they start playing three five two now, Pedence will be like, "Are you kidding?" Because um, it's like when they signed Catroni, thinking they were going to be playing three five two, then they switched to three four three, and all of a sudden, he was only going to play if Jimenez wasn't, which which is very very rare. So he was frozen out by that formation change. You hope Pedence isn't going to be the victim of that as well. So. Um, no, they rate him very highly and we just need to see more from him. I mean, the guy's going to need game time. So Thursday's an ideal opportunity. I'd be surprised if he didn't start. Just slightly randomly, in terms of fringe players, squad players, bench players, Oscar Burr Rasmussen, how highly does Nuno rate him? Oh, I mean, if you'd asked me two months ago, I'd have said absolutely no chance. But he's he's been, he's he's figured recently, yeah, he's been, he's been the backup right wing back, been on the bench a lot. Nuno said Friday that he's now considered part of the first team group. I think he's 22, so he's he's a bit old for the 23s. I'm not sure he's got a long-term future. I think that Luke Matheson will be the one who they'll be viewing as Doc, Doc's competition going forward. So, um, strange one. Yeah, he's he's done. He's played a lot of games for the under-23s and not really stood out, but. He's done well. He's got a good attitude. I thought he did very well against Shiktas 
um, before Christmas. So yeah, fair play. A, a good pl- a good player to have in and around. I don't think we'll see much of him, but uh, at the moment he's he's back at right wing back and um, helping fill out the squad. So yeah, well done to him. So he's 21, nearly 22. What about Morgan Gibbs-White, a player that Wolves fans are probably a little bit puzzled by, bearing in mind how highly he was rated coming through and you know, winning the World Cup with the youth team, etc. He's 20 years of age now, just in January. Do you think Nuno's as confident in his ability as he was when he first broke through? I think it's been quite telling that he hasn't been involved a lot since his return from injury and he's... Missed out on a couple of squads. He was missed out. He didn't feature in the Espanyol squad last Thursday. I think he's been a victim of not quite finding his preferred role in the team. Certainly in a three-four-three. I don't see where he fits in naturally. Um, after a good start to the season in the European games, he did well, and then he tailed off quite markedly really around October November time he just wasn't he just wasn't contributing at all so then he picked up that back injury and yeah here here we we are Nuno loves him um sees huge potential in him good question um like I say the fact he's not really been involved in the last couple of weeks suggests not so he's getting to that age now where it's I know it sounds ridiculous for a 20 year old but it'll be now or never time before long as far as his Wolves career goes, you know, if, if he's 21, 22 and, not, and hasn't established himself, then it's just not going to happen, is it? So he's got to, he's got to really knuckle down and realise that potential and that promise that he's shown for, for so many years because he's a fantastic talent. He's got it in him, I know he has. But from what we saw um, about 13, 14 months ago when he really burst onto the national scene with those performances against Spurs and Chelsea at home, he's not kicked on since then. And I think he's, he's actually regressed a little bit. So... Um, a really, really important few months for him because if Nuno doesn't fancy him in the summer, then he could be shipped out on loan and then then he's gone. And as we've seen in the past, when players go out on loan, that tends to be it. So yeah, big few months for him and uh, he's, he's, he's got to start showing something tangible in terms of end product in the first team. He's made one Premier League start this season, three substitute appearances, five mm. Premier League starts last season, 21 substitute appearances. No, he had that back problem, but it, it wasn't that long out. You just hope that when he does next get an opportunity, he really takes it because there'd be nothing better than having a, a homegrown boy from just up the road in Stafford actually establishing himself in the first team at Wolves amidst all these glitzy, glamorous, Matinho, Jimenez-type players, Triori-type players. It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Yeah, ab- absolutely spot on, Jackie. And... Um... I, th- I, th- I think I think he's trying too hard sometimes. In, in the games that I've seen him, he's been doing a lot of flicks and fancy little turns. And I wanted to just see him get the basics right, really. And so it would be fantastic if he could make it. Do you think it maybe didn't help him that the fact that he was bigged up so much on, on match of the day? I'm not blaming them for that, but in terms of a young player developing, did it maybe heap too much pressure on him, saying that he could be the answer to England's problems going forwards? Yeah, that annoyed me. I think it was Danny Murphy who said who said exactly that. He was the the answer to England's problems. I mean, come on, guys, barely played in the Premier League, and Danny Murphy, who's probably never watched him in his life, heaps all that all that pressure on him. You know, you've got to be a bit more responsible with your comments when it comes to, to young English talents. We've seen it time and again over the years that that they're bigged up, and uh, it's bound to get to your head. It's bound to. It's bound to have an impact. So definitely a case of um, of that. I, I think that might have affected him. You've only got to look at his performances since then. He's not hit those heights really. So he needs to kind of push the reset button, I think, because there's there's a huge talent in there, and Nuno has given him an 
awful lot of opportunities you've got to say Nuno's been very kind of patient with him and giving him these chances so you don't want to kind of get get on his back too much but equally it's high pressure stakes Wolves are a, Wolves are a top half Premier League club now so if he's not going to cut it then then he'll be moved on so yeah, I'm sure he knows that and um, like I said the next few months very important for him and he's definitely got it in him to make it he definitely has so let's hope he can realise that potential yeah, very much so. In terms of a couple of players brought in, you talked about uh, Campana, the Ecuadorian player, and Loadis, the uh, Frenchman, both 19 years of age. You're saying we haven't even seen Campana in under-23s youth games? No. What's the situation there? That sounds a little odd. It's a strange one. Yeah, he's considered part of the first-team squad, but he's just kind of been 19th, 20th man in the match day squad on a couple of occasions. So uh, he was on the bench against Espanyol last Thursday, but didn't didn't come on. So, I mean, you, you've got Pedenza, Neto, Traore, Jota, Jimenez ahead of him in the pecking order. So Thursday would be another opportunity um, where he could maybe become involved. I would expect him to play for the 23s if he's not going to get any first team action at all. And Loidice, he's um, impressed by all accounts and looked a class above for the under 23s. Far too kind of good for that level, which you'd expect for somebody with 20 appearances in, in the top flight in France. So... Again, I mean, he's on loan for a start and there's an option to sign him in the summer. So that's one to keep an eye on in the next few months. I don't think he's going to get any first team time. So very much depends on his attitude in training, which Nuno places such a big emphasis on. You know, He's training with the first team. And if he does well, they'll look to sign him in the summer, hopefully. And um, he could be really could be one for the future. He's done very well by all accounts. Played for France in the Under-20 World Cup as well uh, last summer. But I love that. I love the fact that Nuno places so much emphasis on players' attitudes because it is really important in terms of that wider squad dynamic, isn't it, as you were referring to earlier, that you don't have these Billy Big Times. and You, you just never hear anything. There may be something goes on, but you never hear anything coming out of that dressing room as being an issue with players' attitudes. Am I right? No, you don't. And it comes from the top, I think, as well. It's a mantra that worked really well in Mick McCarthy's time as well. You know, they were very keen on signing characters as much as they were signing players. Um, And that went downhill when they made a couple of dodgy signings in that last season when Mick got sacked. So, yeah, it's very important for team ethic and professionalism and team spirit. And it definitely helps in terms of results, for sure. Now, you've been having a look at some of the lone players that Wolves have got dotted around the country. And uh, when I looked at the list this morning, I was quite surprised by how many there were. I didn't realise it was that number. Did you top them up in the end? Uh, no, it, there's too many to count. So I didn't do it. <laughs> Run out of fingers and toes. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but there are some interesting stories, though. There's so many players out there, many of whom will never, ever play for Wolves and some of whom who, who might do. So let's start with the ones who you think have, have gone out on loan to get the experience to then push for a first-team place. Which ones are they? Luke Matheson would, would be the one. I mean, he's still... So obviously Wolves signed him on deadline day. He marked as a wing-back, right wing-back for Wolves. He's playing right back, I think, for Rochdale at the moment. They signed him and sent him straight back on loan to Rochdale. So this kid's a bit special. I mean, he's he's extremely intelligent, which, uh, as you'll know, Jackie, with your dealings with footballers over the years, is is you know not necessarily a given. The kid, the kid's got got life goals as we all have. Uh, one being to play in the Premier League and two to get a degree from the Open University, which is a little bit unusual. So he's studying his A levels. He goes to school every Wednesday still. Um, he's studying history psychology and sociology at A-level and doing very well by all accounts in terms of grades 
from what I gather from speaking to people involved in the deal and signing him, he, he speaks like a 30-year-old, this kid. A, a, a unique personality for someone so young. A very close family, very grounded. A very exciting signing. Wolves are delighted to get him on board. And like I said, they loaned him back out to Rochdale. And the good news is he, he's playing every week um, for them. He's playing at right back. He's played 27 times in all competitions this season. So, And also he's training with Wolves as well in the week. So I think he's having one or two days at Compton Park a day at school, and then a couple of days with Rochdale kind of match prep uh, before the weekend. That all changes as the weeks and months go on. He'll train more with Wolves and less with Rochdale. And then eventually in the summer, he'll obviously return to Compton Park. From what I gather, they'll he'll be part of Nuno's first team plans for pre-season. Nuno will have a look at him and then he'll decide whether to send him out on loan again or to keep him in the squad. So... If they get him out on loan, it'll be Championship or high-end League One. Um, but if he's considered ready, as we know, Nuno won't be afraid to dive in. So, as for others, it's hard to kind of pick out, really. I mean, I'm sh- I know you're going to agree with me on this one, but I think if Conor Ronan should be in, in and around or should have a future at Wolves, um, but I'm not sure that he does. He's brilliant when he, when he first came through. I always hop back to that Wigan defeat at home on Valentine's Day. Uh, what was it, three years ago, and he wanted the ball. I mean, Wolves were abysmal that night. He wanted the ball and he, he dominated the midfield. I just remember thinking, wow, this, this kid's really got something. But but now back in his um, in League One with, with Blackpool, I saw him made, make his debut at Wickham a couple of weeks ago. And it was a really difficult night in awful weather, but also um, the match started an hour late due to a fan sadly taking ill and, and he passed away sadly. But since then, he has been playing. The manager got sacked, but... Seems as though he's doing pretty well there. He's only 21, remember, still. Man of the match um, once or twice and a couple of assists. He's been playing on the left of a four and drifting inside. I think he's switched flanks to the right as well from a couple of clips I've watched of him. So, um, yeah, doing very well. And as you mentioned, those couple of loans there, Portsmouth and Warsaw, just did not work out for him at all. He's done very well in Slovakia last year and for Ireland under-21s where he's become a bit of a star player. So he's got a future in the game. Um, I don't think it'll be with Wolves because he last played for Wolves in October 2017 against Man City in the Carabao Cup, where people might remember there was a clips of him afterwards swapping his shirt with Kevin De Bruyne and, and being very <laughs> honoured and surprised that, that that was the case. I mean, you know, he's a great lad. I think he'll have a great career. I just don't think it'll be with Wolves, which is a shame because he's, he's a wonderful player to watch in full flow, great technique and passing range, etc. So... But yeah, we'll keep an eye on him and, and and see what happens next. In terms of the other players out on loan, because there are way too many for you to go through, who would you pick out uh, amongst those and suggest that perhaps they do have a future? Would you say, say, Dion Sanderson, who got him a, a great move to uh, Cardiff in the Championship? If Cardiff's kind of playoff hopes fade, then maybe Neil Harris will look to the future and obviously he could, Dion could go back there next season if he does well. So he's one Ryan Giles has been in the Wolf squad very recently but he's yet to make his debut for Coventry which is pretty disappointing um, but Coventry are on a ridiculous run they've won five in a row they've not lost since mid-December and they play Rotherham on Tuesday night a huge first versus second class so Giles can't get in the team basically um, but he is going to play in a behind closed doors friendly this week and Mark Robbins has said he will play at some point in the Coventry first team so it's a matter of getting him in and then just to touch on another couple very senior players out on loan who people will be interested in what happens. Ryan Bennett, can't write off him coming back to Wolves one day. Leicester have got an option to sign him, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in the next couple of months. I mean, he wasn't on the bench against uh, Man City on the weekend. Does that option 
have any significance with regards to the number of times he plays? Does he have to play a certain number of times to to be guaranteed? If he plays a certain amount of times, they'll sign him automatically for five million. I'm not sure that will happen. I mean, they've got Siunku and Evans as their tried and trusted back two. I was told when they signed Bennett that they, they were thinking of playing three at the back. And they did that against Man City on Saturday, um, but Bennett wasn't in the squad. So they went with they went with Fuchs, uh, left centre-back. And Brendan Rodgers said he had Wes Morgan as, as backup centre-half on the bench. So frustrating for Ryan Bennett. And he's basically gone from not being on the bench for Wolves to not being on the bench for Leicester. So maybe they just signed him to get all the secrets from Wolves out of him and then send him back. Maybe that was the thinking. There. <laughs> it didn't work, did it? Because they didn't win. Um, and then the other one who's got a bit of an interesting tale is Patrick Catroni, who again we don't we don't necessarily expect to come back to Wolves, but um, he's at Fiorentina on loan. Started five games, come on as a sub three times. It's just the one goal so far, but he came off the bench against his beloved AC Milan on Saturday. Of course, it was his boyhood club. That's where Wolf signed him from. Came off the bench after 68 minutes and a great little darting run through the middle. Picked out by his teammate, outpaced his man, and then he was brought down to win a penalty. Fiorentina were 1-0 down at this point. Referee pointed to the spot and Catrone, against his boyhood club, celebrated that decision like he'd scored a goal. Right? Fist pumping to the stands like, come on. Um, Which didn't go down very well with the AC Milan fans. Um... He he said afterwards, Catroni, that he wanted to take the penalty. He didn't take it. He did say he wouldn't have celebrated had he scored. Any player, I don't care who they're playing for or against, celebrating winning a penalty just winds me up. It just, I just think, well, why do you need ridiculous. to do it? You haven't scored it yet, man. Exactly. So, and also, it makes it look like you were trying to dive or, or trying to win the penalty rather than trying to score a goal and were fouled. It's just annoying. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, so, um, yeah, a, a, a bit daft of him to do that because obviously you're not guaranteed to score the penalty, but... Didn't warrant the um, the abuse that he got, which will hurt him, I know. But he's got a job to do because his scoring record is abysmal of late. It's not just for Wolves. Over the last 18 months, he's scored six in 59, which is atrocious, um, albeit a lot of those from the bench. So he um, needs to get his career back on track, really. So in terms of the team for Tottenham... Um, just sort of take Espanyol out of it for a minute. Just recap what you think Nuno's actually going to do in that game. Hmm. I mean, interesting to compare the two teams on paper. You know, have, have Wolves got a stronger eleven? Like I said, I'd like to see Nuno go three four three with Traore back in for Dendonka. And look, I know Spurs will uh, certainly a bit defensive. It might not be a great game in that respect, but Wolves will look to hit them on the break with Jota and Traore and Jimenez. So um, it's they've done that with great success in the past couple of seasons away at Arsenal and Spurs as well last season. So um, if you're a Spurs player or the Spurs manager, if Adama Traore doesn't start, you are delighted, considering how he ran rings around them just a couple of months ago. So Traore's got to play for me, and um, I think he probably will. Now, there was one story which popped up on Sky Sports News while I was in a pub having been to Flight Club playing darts in London, which is brilliant. I thoroughly recommend it if anyone wants to have a good night out. But I was a little bit alarmed after a couple of gin and tonics to see a yellow breaking news strap uh, on Sky Sports News about Nuno and his future. What on earth was that about, please? Can you explain? I I was a bit alarmed by that. Um, Yeah, Nuno kind of said during his press conference during the written section which is embargoed until half ten which is why this story came out at half ten um, that there's kind of no contract on the table he's got 18 months left on his current deal and 
when he signs his contract, he'll sign it and we'll know about it. But until then, it's not an issue. It's not an issue from my point of view. I don't think it's one from Nuno's point of view or Fosun's or George Mendes's. So you know what Nuno's like. He never talks about transfers. He'll never talk about contracts, any contracts, his or anybody's. So I just think the language of what he said was misinterpreted, in my opinion. And Sky Sports then did a big story saying there's no contract on the table and there's no plans to discuss that contract in the coming months. Now, for me, that's not a story because why would they discuss his contract at this time of the season, right? These things happen in the summer. And what you've got to remember with Wolves is it's not like the manager's contract is expiring and they need to hold showdown talks with the chairman, with the manager's agent, with the sporting director, with whoever. Because very different at Wolves, it's Mendes and she and everything's very closely linked so and Nuno. So when when they want to decide to give them a new contract, which they will, it'll just get done if they all want to do it, if all parties are happy doing it. If Nuno wants to stay, if Mendes is happy, if she's happy, it'll just get done. And like I said, there won't be lengthy negotiations. So Wolves are a bit different to other clubs. It's a non-issue for me. It's a non-story. I think a lot of fans kind of saw that when this happened, but... From what I, I can tell, there's absolutely nothing to be alarmed about and it's and it's an issue that'll be looked at in the summer. Um, and if Nuno's, Nuno wants to stay, he'll stay. So nothing to see here as far as you're concerned because, as you mentioned on the pod a few weeks ago, if Nuno were to leave, if and when, the whole place would fall down like a pack of cars, which is, is quite an alarming prospect. But I guess that's just down to the fact that Nuno's done such a great job and the club is very, very much in his image. But as far as you're concerned, nothing to see here move on. No, definitely. It is all about Nuno, and I would be concerned what happens when he leaves. But you've got to understand the language of what he uses in press conferences. He doesn't give anything away. He's not going to tell the the, the press, oh, there's no contracts on the table. I don't know what's happening. I think it was misinterpreted. So, no, no alarm as far as I'm concerned. So it wasn't a message or anything, like some managers do or players do, but he that wasn't do that. one of them. He, he, no, he, no. Jeff she's no. got Jeff she's got office <laughs> directly above the press conference room. He'd just go upstairs and tell him. Well, enjoy your trip to Barcelona. Um, I'm going to Oxford against Accrington Stanley tomorrow, oh, but, but do jealous. enjoy your trip to Barcelona. I'll be on some windswept gantry for Sky, which, which will be lovely and I'll enjoy every second. But um, have a great week and we shall reconvene next Monday for next Tuesday morning's podcast release. If people want to read your wonderful articles, then please do sign up to The Athletic. 40% off if you use the discount code WolvesPod. If you haven't done so already, I highly recommend you do for all the great content on The Athletic, all the ad-free podcasts as well as all the articles on everybody not just the wolves bye for now